You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. Good morning, Salem Tabernacle. Pastor Bill here. Um, I appreciate you all being here. I wish I could be in the room with you so bad, but as you know, I just had surgery on my right foot. If you haven't heard any other weird announcements, it sounds like the surgery went well, so I'm glad. Thank you, everybody, for praying. I'll be coming at you via video for a few Sundays before I can get back into the room. But you know what? You're an amazing church. We know how to adapt. We know how to move through situations that are good and situations that are kind of frustrating. It's amazing to be able to pastor you like this, but it's amazing to be able to pastor you. Put your hands together for yourselves. I love you so much. Happy New Year. It's uh, New Year's Eve and you're at church and I'm happy to be preaching to you. There are so many texts we could have chosen for today. Uh, today is the first Sunday of Christmas. It's New Year's Eve in the secular calendar. It's the New Year's Day texts in the liturgical calendar. It's also the holy name of Jesus. It's the day we celebrate Jesus going into the temple after being born. And that's what I actually want to read from. So would you please stand to your feet as we read from the most holy gospel. And we're going to read from the gospel of Luke. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Everybody just sang part of the 12 days of Christmas when I said turtle doves, I'm sure you did. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, as I'm sure all of you have today, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory to your people Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we are on December 31st. As you can see, our situations are not ideal, but that's actually what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the concept of growth over goals. This is one of those seasons where everything you read, everything you see online, even just our own inclination is going to be to set resolutions, to try harder this year to get things right that we wanted to get right last year and didn't. Um, obviously, you know, I didn't want to be having a third surgery, but the reality is there are moments when we have to look at the truth of what is and say, what do I need to do to put myself in the best position to grow? And then we're free. When we don't deny reality, when we don't pretend the frustrating things aren't happening, when we embrace them, hold them up before the Lord, ask for wisdom, God does amazing things. So I want to talk about growth over goals. The secular world is going to tell you to make goals. And here's the thing. You're going to set goals. You're going to fail some of them. And you're going to succeed in some of them. But if you don't grow, you're going to try harder to succeed in the ones you failed in. And if you don't grow, 
even if you succeeded in goals, you're not a different person. You just happened to get lucky that year. Why do I say that? Because Ecclesiastes just told us that there's a time and a season for everything. So we can plan to be perfectly healthy and then step on a Lego and break our foot. We could be planned to be perfectly healthy and have, you know, a clean house all year. And then that rainstorm comes and that tree falls on your roof and all of a sudden it's in shambles, right? There are things that we cannot control. You cannot control if your job just decides to have layoffs. We can't control inflation. We can't control what other people do on the road. On and on. And so there are people in the room right now where you didn't meet your goals this year and it was because... There were things that you didn't discipline yourself to do. But there are other people who you didn't meet goals, and it's because of other people's choices. Some of us met our goals, and it was because life worked out for us. If it didn't, maybe we wouldn't have. It's not always about our effort. And so goals are important, but growth is the Christian gospel. Growth is the gospel. And I want to say this. Advent teaches us. We've been in Advent now for 31 days. Advent is how, as Christians, we begin our year. The world begins its year tomorrow. And they're going to begin with effort, and they're going to begin with willpower. But we began our year with baptism on December 3rd. We began our year in Advent, not saying, I'm going to try harder, but saying, Lord, I need you to be my Savior this year. Lord, I need you to come through for me this year. Lord, things are going to happen that I didn't plan on and I need your grace. I need your spirit. I need your love. I need you. The world begins with power and effort. We begin with humility and desperation and thirst for the living God. And so what we want, what Advent teaches us is you don't run into something new with muscles flexed and all the effort. You run into something new with humility and dependence and hunger and thirst for Christ. That's why we start Advent first, before the new year. Simeon sees Jesus, holds him up in the air, kind of like Lion King, you know, like he's holding Simba up in the air. And he says, I can die now because I've seen the goal. I've seen the one who's going to save us, but the one he's holding is a baby. So what is this telling us? This is telling us that you can meet a goal... You can see a goal, but that doesn't mean there's growth yet. Simeon is saying, this little baby is the goal. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the finish line. And yet, before Jesus can go anywhere near being the goal, he has to grow. That's not just a biological fact. That is a revelation from heaven to our life. It's more important that we grow than that we meet our goals. And that's why God, in his self-revelation to the world, he came as somebody who needed to grow so that we never stop realizing that we need to grow. And so I don't want to make you feel bad for having goals. I want you to have goals. We need to have goals. We need to have tears and things that we're striving for and that we want. It's good stewardship to have goals. But if we don't grow, our goals could be indulgent. Our goals could be greedy. Our goals could be what other people told us that we need to do and not really who we are as people. Also, our goals could be misguided. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to know where we are in our discipleship with Christ. We need to know where we are on a Christian level. Our soul needs to grow more than our physical body needs to meet goals. 
you can, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, you could fail in a goal, but if you grew, you were more successful than if you met a goal and you're the same grouchy person you were before you met the goal. And so for some of us, one of the worst things that could happen is that we meet all of our goals, but our integrity, our character doesn't develop. Who cares if we're meeting our goals, if we're, our character isn't becoming more Christ-like? So let's talk about this for a little bit. On this eve of resolutions, let's talk about the rest of God. God does not put as much pressure on you as secular New Year's Eve does. God is looking for you as I said last year, you can go back right now and look at our final two sermons from last year. It's called Baby Steps. He's not looking for you to meet these highfalutin goals. He's looking for you to grow as a person and trend towards him this year. So if you're going th if you're if you're going to wake up tomorrow still living in the consequences of bad choices from this year, I'm telling you right now, don't hold your head down. Don't shrug your shoulders. Jesus is there for you. He's showing up for you, like we said last week with Stephanie. He's showing up for you in all of the good and all the bad. And all he wants is for you to grow. And whether you're in consequences of your sins or consequences of your good choices, you can grow this year. You might not hit every goal. You maybe shouldn't hit every goal. Maybe our goals reflect bad character. But the point is, we're going to grow this year, even if we don't meet our goals. So we're going we're gonna to put a slide here so that you can have something to uh, take with you. At the end of this, you can take a picture of it. But I want to say it's vital to read large stories of the Bible and connect themes. And so typically when I preach, I preach, I do commentary on scriptures. I don't go verse by verse. And I normally don't take large, gigantic stories one right after another. I take a set of scripture and I just provide commentary on it. What I'm going to do today, I'm not going to read all of these texts, but I'm going to take five large stories in the Bible, and I want to connect this idea that growth is more important than meeting goals. And so we're going to start with the story of Naaman. Everybody remembers Naaman. If you're a good Bible student, you know who Naaman is. Uh, he's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. He was a Gentile king. He was a commander, he was powerful, he was influential, he commanded an army, and he had leprosy. And he captured people, and a servant girl who he captured said, hey, you know, there's a prophet that could help you get cured of your leprosy, and then you can go outside and stuff and be around people. So he says, you know, he says, I'll take you up on that. And he goes to the prophet and the prophet tells him, I want you to go to the Jordan River, and I want you to dunk yourself in the Jordan River seven times. Listen, go to 2 Kings chapter 5 and listen to what Naaman says. He literally says these words. I thought the prophet was going to come out of his house and wave his hand in the air, and the leper would have been cleansed. Why is he making me dip myself in the Jordan River seven times? Aren't there better rivers that I could be dunking myself in anyway? You hear this? He Now listen, this is the thing. Naaman says, I knew I would get healed. I just thought he was going to wave his hand over my head and then I'd be healed. Notice that. Naaman had the right goal. He knew he was going to be healed. That was the right expectation and it was the right goal. But Naaman needed to grow, not just be healed. 
And so God had him do something that felt humiliating. God had him do something that felt beneath him. Because that was the real leprosy. The leprosy on, Na on Naaman's body was really just a reflection of the leprosy on his soul and on his integrity. And so God said, I want you to dunk yourself in the Jordan seven times. But that's not the way I wanted to meet my goal. That's not the New Year's resolution I had. Well, growth is more important than goals. And so Naaman dips himself in the Jordan seven times. He comes up cleansed and he goes back to the king and says, give me some of the dirt from this holy land so that when I go back to my pagan country and they make me kneel down, I want to kneel down on the dirt of Israel. Look what happened. He went from being entitled to becoming a worshiper. He grew. His, the growth inside of him was so much more important than meeting the goal of being healed. If he would have just gotten healed, he would have been the same old entitled greedy commander without leprosy. He probably would have ended up hurting more people with his bad attitude. But God is more concerned with growth than he is with goals. In this case, growth equals process, not prize. Growth is found in the process, not the prize. It's found in the method, not in the end result. And so many of us, we're so end result conscious. We want to we wanna get to the finish line. Salem, there is no finish line until we die or Jesus comes back. We're going to keep having new levels, new issues, new peaks, new valleys. We're going to clean. It's going to get messy. We're going to take care of the car. Someone's going to rear end it. We're going to do all these things. We're going to buy new clothes and we're going to spill on them. This is just what happens. And over and over we go, if, if, if our ultimate value comes from the end result, we're always going to be the horse trying to chase the proverbial carrot. It's not going to happen. We need to grow. Growth is what God wants. That's victory in the kingdom. A similar story is the 10 lepers in Luke chapter 17. 10 lepers go to Jesus and say, we want to be healed. And Jesus says, you're healed. He doesn't make them dunk in the Jordan. I'm sure up in heaven, Naaman is like, are you serious? One of me wanted to get healed and you made me dip in the Jordan. 10 of them want to get healed. And you wave your hand <laughs> because here's what God's doing. God will mess with your expectations of method. They all had the right expectation of healing, but God was disrupting the method because he wants growth, not just goals. Nine lepers go away healed. One comes back and says, thank you. And Jesus says to him, your faith has made you well. And for Jesus, he was healed from the leprosy, but he was made well when he gave thanks. And for Jesus, you can hear it in Jesus's tenor and tone. When he says your faith has made you well, it is obvious that that's more important than the healing of the leprosy. In this case, growth equals thanksgiving, not entitled taking. We want to be people who give thanks, not take what we think we're entitled to. Ten lepers were healed. Nine of them left meeting a goal, but had no growth, no change in their posture before God or each other. One of them left not just healed, but had, he had grown. His character had developed. Like the Grinch, his heart grew two sizes that day, and he gave all the presents back. Growth 
is more important than meeting goals. Those nine lepers met their goals, but one of them had a heart change. But pastor, what if we don't meet our goals? Well, believe it or not, uh, you know, buckle up on this one. There's somebody very important in the Bible who didn't meet his goal. And his name is Moses. Moses, minding his own business, sees a bush that is on fire, that doesn't go out and doesn't get consumed. It wasn't his fault that he got sent into Egypt through the water. It's not his fault that he is now standing there and God is telling him at the burning bush, I want you to go back to Egypt and deliver my people. He goes. He delivers the people from Egypt. <clears throat> God says, you're going to go into the promised land. 40 years. Moses wanders in circles. You ever get lost in the car with two kids? Moses is lost in the wilderness with like 6 million grumpy people. And after 40 years, God's like, okay, Moses, you made one mistake. You don't get to go into the promised land. What? Moses dies on a mountain overlooking the promised land. He never meets the goal. Listen, I could preach on it all day, but I won't. Moses doesn't get into the promised land, but the promised land grew in Moses the whole time. Nobody talks about Moses like a failed leader. Nobody talks about Moses like he was, you know, he, he had potential, but he never met his potential. We talk about Moses like we say things like Jesus is the true and better Moses. Like, think of the category that puts Moses in. He's a prophecy of Jesus Christ. He's, uh, Robert Jensen says this, they, they say to Robert Jensen, how do you define who God is? And he says, God is whoever delivered Israel from Egypt and rose Jesus from the dead. That's who God is. Whoever delivered Israel from Egypt or rose Jesus from the dead. Robert Jensen is saying God is most seen in Moses and in Jesus. How powerful is that? No one says Moses was an almost. In Moses' case, growth equals integrity even in loss. That's why Moses is so powerful. Because even in not meeting his goal, he got so many other people into theirs. Yes, he made mistakes. Yes, he never met his goal. Maybe this year you will work really hard and you'll make some mistakes and you won't meet your goal. But the gospel says that God can so work in your heart, even in failure, that the world around you still sees you as carrying the reputation of somebody who lives and breathes the gospel, even in failure. Maybe some of you needed to hear that because of this year that just is about to end tonight. I made mistakes as a parent. I made mistakes as a spouse. I made mistakes on my job. I, I could have had more, but I, did, I made mistakes. But you know what, though? When we handle those mistakes standing up, when we handle those mistakes facing them, when we handle those mistakes in the presence of the people God has put in our life to help us through those mistakes, you don't lose in the end. You grow in integrity. And there are many of you who you don't, you're so upset with what didn't happen this year that you don't realize that your integrity is, your integrity, you can barely walk through the door, your integrity is so massive. 
We always talk about somebody's ego not being able to get them through the door. For some of us, your integrity grew so much this year. You need to live in a bigger space because you have so much more integrity. But you don't even realize it because you're so focused on the goal that you didn't meet that you failed to realize your soul grew. You're more dependent on God. It's easier for you to talk about the Lord. It's easier for you to testify. It's easier for you to, to say, I, I fell down, but he's the one who got me back up again. You're more fluent in your language of the Spirit. It's okay that you didn't meet your goal. It's okay that Moses didn't. Guess what? When Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, guess who was there? Moses and Elijah. It turns out that Moses didn't lose anything. He didn't lose anything anything. When you grow in integrity, you don't lose anything even if you fail. Hopefully that was for somebody. This is kind of a funny one. Let's talk about Elizabeth. A little like uh, a little drama between women here that, that easily could have happened. Elizabeth, Luke chapters 1 and 2. By the way, Moses is the entire book of Exodus. <clears throat> the story of Elizabeth here, Luke chapter 1 and 2. Elizabeth is barren. She's looked down upon. She cannot get pregnant. Her husband is a priest, and she cannot get pregnant. Forget about how we feel about these things now. Just If you just look at back then, this was devastating for her. Her husband is a priest, and she's walking around as evidence that God is not blessing their life. Now, we know that that's not true, but that's how they felt. And so Elizabeth probably had a goal to get pregnant. All of a sudden, late in life, late in life, when all hope is lost, she gets pregnant. The baby is growing inside of her. She's saying, people are going to look at me and wonder, how could something so wonderful happen? This is everything she ever wanted. All of a sudden, like her cousin Mary shows up. And says, guess what, Elizabeth? And Elizabeth is like, Mary, guess what? I have news for you. And Mary's like, no, 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 no. Let me go first. I have news for you. And Elizabeth is like, no, no, no. I have to tell you something. And Mary's like, I'm pregnant. Can you imagine like the Jerry Springer sort of, this could go bad. Elizabeth is finally pregnant. And Mary, much younger, just like, just shy of 20, has all the time in the world to get pregnant shows up and she's all excited that she's pregnant, Elizabeth could be like, listen, I finally meet my goal. And immediately somebody comes and overshadows it. God got you pregnant. The most one-up story of all time. But what does Elizabeth do? She says, how is it that the mother of my Lord would come to visit me? Because as soon as as my baby heard your greeting, Mary, my baby was full of the Holy Spirit. When, when John the Baptist heard Mary's voice, he leapt in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth doesn't say, how dare you? I'm finally pregnant, like in my 80s, a miracle, and you, 20-something, come on in here, with a greater story? How dare you? She doesn't say, God, why would you let this happen? She realizes that meeting her goal is nothing compared to the growth that that goal is already producing inside of her. Elizabeth's goal, who is John the Baptist, 
John the Baptist's job is to pave the way for Jesus. And Elizabeth's goal is already beckoning her to say, forget about you. Jesus just showed up. And his mother's voice is a greater forerunner for Jesus than even John the Baptist. Because it's at John the Baptist's voice that we see Jesus. But it's at Mary's voice that John the Baptist saw Jesus. Nobody gets spooked out about Mary. God loves when his mother speaks for him. In this case, we see growth equals our goals becoming blessings. If we don't grow, we're going to see our goals as something for us to attain and keep for ourselves. I met my goals, my promotion, my elevation, my new house, my new car, my new wardrobe, my education, my degree, my babies, right? But in Elizabeth's case, because she's growing at a greater rate than her goal, she realizes, I want my goal to bless somebody else's life. It's not worth attaining if it doesn't bless somebody else's life. And she instantly submits her goal to this much younger girl saying, the Holy Spirit got me pregnant. How is it that the mother of my Lord would come into my home and bless me so that the baby that I've been waiting for for decades leapt for joy at your greeting, Mary. I pray that as we begin to attain our goals this year, we would be able to say at the sound of Mary's voice, our goals leapt because her voice reminds us that it's all about Jesus. And finally, the fifth one, the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. Her goal, everybody knows the story of the woman at the well. She was going to the well at noon, thirsty, trying to be alone. And her goal, you ready? Her goal, like many of your goals, is just to survive another day. Come on, Sam, put your hands together. Sometimes your goal is just to survive another day. I'm going to put my hands together too. Sometimes our goal is just to survive another day. We, we get to the point where life has us so hurried and harried that our goal is just get me to bedtime without losing my mind, without making another mistake. Her goal was just get me to the well and get me home and don't let me have to run into any people. Just get me through another day. Guess what? Jesus prevented her from meeting her goal. Read John chapter 4. It says that she dropped her water jar. After she met Jesus, she dropped her water jar and ran into the town to tell people she met Jesus. She never met her goal that day. Her goal was to get water. She left her water jar there. She did not meet her goal. She failed in meeting her goal. Now, nobody talks about it that way because... Something grew in her. A river of life started bursting out of her as opposed to her trying to labor to get water from a well. But the reality is, I'll be the one to say the negative thing, she failed in the goal she woke up with. Her New Year's resolution was go get water from a well and get home. And she failed in it. And why did she fail in it? Because Jesus did something so good that it obliterated her goals. 
Sometimes God doesn't want you to meet your goal, Salem, because it's too small, it doesn't take enough faith, and it doesn't reveal how good and powerful and how much potential you actually have. Sometimes God, there are people that God is purposely disappointing in the room right now because your goals, they reflect your fears more than your faith. I'm not in the room with you. I'm standing in a room with Ian right now, but I promise you that was for somebody. For some of your goals, they reflect your fear more than they reflect your faith. What does Jesus do for her? He stands there and he tells her the kind of woman that she is. And she is filled with such security, such confidence, such humble boldness, as we talked about last week with Stephanie. She's filled with such humble boldness that she drops, she drops her water jar because what Jesus faithfully put into her life spiritually actually made her not physically thirsty anymore. You ever have a long day at work and you can't stop thinking about how hungry you are? And then maybe another day you have such a good day with so many wonderful things happening and you don't even think about the fact that you haven't eaten all day because you were just killing it all day long. There's something about being affirmed and, and getting new momentum that it almost physically satisfies you. She dropped her water jar in the desert. And goes and tells people, you know what happened? She, her goal was to come to the well thinking that the well was her source. But you're ready? She left being a source for other people. She came to the well thinking, I need, I need, I need. And she left saying, I need, he filled my need, and now I can go and fill other people's needs. I'm telling you, God is going to dash some of your goals to pieces this year, not because he's mad at you, not because you're sinful, but because those goals reflect your mentality that you are far too small in your own eyes. God has bigger plans for you this year, more expansive growth on the inside, and he will shatter those goals that keep you under Pharaoh's brick-making slavery because they're not, they don't reflect who you really are. She went there, so, so in this case, growth equals finding our true self. You can find your true self in success. You can find your true self in tragedy. You can find your true self in failure. Because here's the thing. God doesn't make bad things happen to teach you lessons. What God does is God happens to all of our happenings, and regardless of what's happening in our life, he works through those happenings to weave his will into our life, whether we pass or fail. Whether people pass or fail on us. So it's not like God, like people will say things like, oh God, let this terrible thing happen so I'd learn a lesson. No, no, no. God taught you the lesson he would have taught you if the good thing happened or if the bad thing happened. Because things happening don't deter what God wants to do. God's going to weave his will into our choices and still, what, what does the Bible say? Work all things together for good for those who love him. And so Salem, Ian's going to put up the chart now and I'll just reiterate. Growth equals process over prize. Growth is about thanksgiving, not entitlement. Growth is about integrity, even in loss. Growth 
is about our goals becoming blessings that we offer other people instead of possess. And growth really and ultimately is about finding your true self. And I'll just land the plane on this point before Jacqueline comes up here to pray over the Eucharist. When Jesus looks down at the broken pieces of bread, we would see failure. We would see a failed Messiah, someone who didn't meet any of his goals. Jesus looks at that bread and he sees his true self. It's possible that the minute Jesus looked at the bread and saw himself, he knew then why Satan tried to tempt him to make bread. Because Satan always wants to tempt us to make what we already are. Don't step into tomorrow trying to reinvent yourself. God already created you in his image. Don't step into tomorrow trying to get more value because you're going to get more things right. A righteous person falls seven times and gets up all seven times. You don't need to reinvent your life. You don't need to reinvent your fatherhood or your motherhood. You don't need to reinvent yourself. You might be, your kids might be so out of the house, so done, you think you're done parenting, and you're like, I failed. You don't need to reinvent yourself. You just need to stand up in the presence of God and say, this year, my resolution, I will be resolute about one thing this year. I want to grow. I want to be able to look down into brokenness like Jesus and still be able to see myself, even in the brokenness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you that somehow across TV, antenna, pixelated waves, you allow us to commune together like this. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we as Christians, as a church, as Salem Tabernacle, would wake up tomorrow different that we would wake up tomorrow with ease of spirit, with peace that passes all understanding, not with the weight of the world bearing down on us, having to prove ourselves another year. I pray that we would take everything that went wrong last year, everything that potentially could go wrong this year, everything that went right last year, and everything that could potentially go right this year, I pray that we would take it all and we would offer it to you like we've offered you this bread. And that you would take our offering, take our year, as we stand in the liminal space between last year and this upcoming year, as we stand in between the two years, I pray that we would offer them both to you and that you would infuse our year with your presence. That, like the psalmist says, all I want to do is wake up in the morning in your likeness and in your image. In your holy, precious name we pray, Father God. Amen. Uh, worship team, uh, you can come on up right now. Jacqueline is also going to come up and she's going to pray as we get ready to come to the Lord's table. Salem, I love you. Thank you for praying for me. Uh, thank you for helping me through a year that I didn't plan. I didn't plan on being off my feet at the beginning of 2024. I was joking around and I said... Uh, I don't think I'll be able to walk anymore in 2024, or I think I'm going to be sitting on the floor in 2024. The reality is, if I'm sitting, if I'm standing, if I'm having surgery, or if I'm healthy, the reality is, I just want Jesus to be a part of my life, and I know we're going to get through it according to his will. And so, Jacqueline, you're up here by now. I'm going to be quiet. Worship team's on their way up. John, Steph, you're on your way up. John, maybe you're up there. Maybe you're moving a little slow. Sam, I love you guys. I love busting on John. Jacqueline's going to pray. Happy New Year. We'll talk soon. Grace and peace.
Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.